0: This is May 16th and this is The Bruins Beat presented by FanDuel on CLNS Media. And welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. And on this episode, Connor Ryan and I get into Bruce Cassidy heading to the Western Conference Final. And we take a look back at that decision, the pros, the cons to firing him. Did it tell us anything about the Bruins? So we get into all that. Uh, and then we also get into some off-season moves, some early looks at potential trade candidates around the league. Uh, Potential teams that might want some big Bruins uh, and what those uh, deals might look like. So, we get into all of that in today's episode. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is
1: up? Evan, I'm doing well. How are you doing?
0: Doing great. Doing great, although I will say, Connor, uh, Bruins fans must have had a tough time on Sunday because you get the Celtics who go into a game seven at the Garden, just dominate in the second half. Jason Tatum goes off for what was it like 51 points he finished with. I mean, it was just one of those all time performances that, you know, you're just in awe of. Um, And then you had that. So you get to watch, you know, the other your, your garden counterpart dominate, go to the conference final against the eight seed Miami Heat, Uh, another (laughs) South Florida team, Uh, a little scary. Um, And then at night at 10 p.m., so you had to wait a little while, but at 10 p.m., you got to see the Vegas Golden Knights and Bruce Cassidy punch their ticket to the conference final. And that's where I want to start today. That's where I want to start today. Bruce Cassidy. Uh, We discussed Bruce Cassidy for many years when he was head coach of your Boston Bruins, and we knew he would, you know, when he was fired last year, we knew he would end up somewhere quick. Vegas came right in, swooped him up, took him in. And uh, now they're in the conference final. And it's the perfect time to look back at the move the Bruins made uh, with, with Cassidy. Obviously, and we've discussed this, Cassidy lost the room. He did. He lost the locker room. Uh, you know, he was too tough on guys, allegedly, and and stuff like that. But looking back, this Bruins front office chose the players over the coach. And I think it's a fair questioning of, did they make the right decision? Because yes, yes,
1: great regular season, but
0: no postseason success after one year. Uh, What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think it's one of those ones you have to apply the hindsight, right? Of like, did the Bruins, you know, monumentally collapse in this first round? Absolutely. And I think, you know, obviously, Jim Montgomery does not uh, come out looking that great in terms of his decisions out there. Um, you could also make the argument that if Bruce Cassidy's back, what kind of team do you have, right? Like, is, you know, do our, is Jake DeBrusque here? Is David Krejci coming back from the check? Is on back, right? Like, there, there's all these other things that you weigh. And it's not to say that over the regular season, just – the Bruins being happy and singing Kumbaya and, you know, singing Brian Adams in the room. Like, I don't think that was the number one thing that spurred them on this, you know, record-setting pace in the regular season. Like, like you can give credit to, I think, the the lineup tweaks in terms of getting more five-on-five offense, involving the defense more. It's just when you get to the playoffs, you can kind of toss it all out the door, right? And, uh, you know, I think you have to give credit for Bruce to Bruce Cassidy. I, I think the biggest thing – as to why they moved away from was, you know, the fact that most importantly, I think just the messaging was getting stale. Like, I don't think it was just one or two guys in exit uh, interviews being like, yeah, we don't like Bruce Cassidy and that push it. I I think that was considered right. But I think you have to look at the overarching thing of just, uh, you know, even very good coaches after a while, their messaging gets stale. Um, that's I think why they decided to move on from and go in a different direction. But yeah, you look at just the way the postseason was handled, if. It's almost like if you had the same team, the same circumstances. The one thing that was, I think, both a good thing and a bit of a flaw with Cassidy is that, um, you know, he's a guy that sticks sticks to his guns in terms of what's going right and is willing to change things up if they're not going the right way. So, I think you look at like old Mark in Game Five or even in Game Six after the first two periods, probably yanking him out of there. Gone. Right? I, I think I think <laughs> that's a coach that you look at also has probably learned from his mistakes. Right? You can look at how this series played out and apply to um, the Bruins in 2021 against the Islanders, right? Where Cassie kind of stuck to his guns and went with, um, and went with Rask when he was clearly wasn't right. Ended up being Bruins downfall a little bit in that series, right? So uh, you would imagine that Cassie would make those same mistakes. Maybe again, that's just kind of the ups and downs that coaches have to go through that maybe Montgomery learns from this, but, Again, it, it's so tough to apply, just like the the looking back, the the hindsight, what have you, because you'd think that if Cassidy was with this team this year with the same circumstances, he wouldn't make those same decisions. He wouldn't stick with Olmark. He would probably go back to his tried and true formals instead of really switching things up in a game six or seven. Um, but again, would you have that same team at that point if you had Cassidy? So um, there's a whole bunch of different ways you can kind of view it, but I think what's tough to ignore Bruins moved on for him. Bruce Cassidy's uh, you know, four wins away from getting back to Stanley cup final with a, again, a good Vegas team, but uh, dealing with some pretty serious injuries. I mean, their goalie situation, if they can get to a Stanley cup final with the way their goalie uh, core is right now, very impressive. And I think even if the Bruins, I would imagine even Bruins management, if you look at Bruce Cassidy and yes, his messaging went stale, maybe wasn't doing a good job connecting with the players, I don't think there's any doubt of how good he is as a coach, right? And I think he's proved it so far in his first year with Vegas.
0: I mean, look at what he's done with Jack Eichel. You're seeing it on the national stage with these games. I mean, Eichel's playing defense. He's back-checking. He's hustling, creating plays out there. Um, You hit the nail on the head with they would not have had the same regular season. Bruins, no doubt, would not have had the same regular season under Cassidy that they did with Montgomery. But as most Bruins fans would say, who cares? Who cares? It didn't matter in the long run anyway. Um, but the bigger thing with uh with with these two and and with Cassidy is was it an early sign that I don't want to say they were soft, but you look at the way they just kind of malfunctioned in the playoffs and just so and just not showing up for games and things like that, not showing up for long stretches of big games uh throughout the playoffs. Again, I hate using the word soft because they're not soft. These are not soft guys. But was it a sense? Was it an early sense with the, with the you know, Cassidy's messaging getting stale? Which again happens. It completely happens with coaches all across every sport. You're about to see it probably with Doc Rivers in Philadelphia. I know it's crossing sports, but, you know, messaging gets stale. But was it an early sign that this team, what, it's hard, not soft, again, not soft, but just not, ready for a postseason run like the one that we thought they would end up having.
1: I mean, I don't know how else you really can, can look at it in terms of the, the failings of this team. Right. I, I listen, Jim Montgomery deserves quite a bit of uh, credit and uh, quite a bit of blame, I guess. Credit. If you guess that you're talking, if you're from the Florida Panthers perspective, but of yeah. blame <laughs> for how we handled this series. There's no questioning that, but again, it's not to, uh, you know, repeat the usual mantra when it comes to, you know, Summing up a season-ending series loss, but falls on the players too. Players have to be the ones that execute out there. And as much as you look at the goaltending taking a step back, the lineup decisions, what have you, players on the ice that have to solve the breakout, have to you know fight through the physicality, get into the inside ice, execute on plays. Like Jim Montgomery wasn't the one who made Hambers Lindholm loft that puck up into the stands in Florida. You know, there's so many guys that just had Honor Clifton just
0: just yeah. Airmailing pucks to the other team
1: yeah exactly and so yeah it's you know if the there's anyone that comes out poorly and trust me there's a lot of individual players there's a lot of you know Jim Montgomery that don't look great coming off of this series and what could have been uh over this playoff run but just a collective group for the 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 players out there didn't show up didn't execute and again you can look at the regular season and I think we all talked about this that even next year this Bruins team can go out to an 8-1-1 start I feel like we're all going to be like okay, that's good. It's more than we expected. That's good. Let's see how it translates like to the playoffs, right? Like we'll see it. We'll see it in
0: the in the spring,
1: you know? this. I mean, it's unfortunate, but you look at this team and even, you know, it remains to be seen what the, this roster looks like when camp opens in September, but still going to have quite a few guys that have been on this team for a long time. I've been through a lot of playoff games, and now, like, you have that level of I don't know if "doubts" the right word, but you're you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? Uh, you know, it falls on the players executing these situations. And after going on a, a run all season long, they just didn't didn't execute, didn't show up when the time mattered. And you know, that's a tough look for a team that you look at how much veteran talent, how much metal, how much uh, you know, productions are all season long, how focused they are. It was shocking. Like, there's no other way to really put it. It's just every time I think people look back at this season, or you you try to get through this offseason, and yeah, you wait a couple of days, and you think about it some more, and it just, again, baffles your mind. And I feel like it happens every couple of days when you see these other teams that are on the cusp of a conference final. You look at, like, Seattle Kraken, right? Like, you look at all these teams, and it's how the Bruins couldn't execute in, in that in, in those areas in crunch time and play after being so great all season long. Baffling.
0: Yeah, baffling is the right word, and, again, I still just go back to you know, as we dissect the season and and the postseason and what happened, I do think it is an interesting observation of hey, you know what? You know, there were a lot again messaging went stale. I get it with Bruce Cassidy, um, and again Montgomery. There were some really good changes he implemented this year. I mean, it was, he was he's he's was not a failure this year. He just had one bad postseason uh, round. It was just a big postseason round to really bring your worst. But I still wonder if. There's something to be said there for, you know, the players needing a softer touch. um, And it just, you know, translating to when when the going got tough, they didn't really show up. And, you know, you're going to see it for the rest of the, you know, for at least four more games in the conference final out west. uh, Whoever Vegas ends up playing, whether it's Dallas or Seattle. Um, And like good for Cassidy, man, like, you know, loses his job here, immediately gets picked right up. He loses his dream job here. Um and I I know that again, there there were there was stuff in the locker room that he was not, you know, uh he had, you know, his again, he'd he'd run thin uh with the players, but uh, you still look at the results and and all that stuff. And you know, again, it's hard to I mean, I, it it worked out it, during the regular season, it just didn't work out during the playoffs. And I know they're two different coaches, but um, you know, I think it's a fair evaluation to make. So picking right back up, Connor, uh, off, uh, uh, off season stuff, off season moves. Uh, there's going to be a lot this off season. There's going to be changes to the roster, how big the changes are. We don't quite know yet. Uh, but looking around the league, uh, there's some interesting things going on. Winnipeg's got there. What could be like a fire sale, uh, there's some other uh, areas that uh, that Bruins could kind of check in on. And one area I want to start with is Pierre-Luc Dubois out in Winnipeg. 24 years old, pending RFA, $6 million, uh he, he made this year. He'll be an RFA. Uh, going into next year, he's a center. Feels like the likely spot is Montreal. That's kind of the scuttlebutt on him. But it's a young center. Definitely would take a little bit to get him. Uh, but do you think the Bruins could potentially be in on a guy like that?
1: I, I mean, I think it's going to come down to what the what the cost is going to be, right? And the Bruins don't necessarily have a lot of draft capital to entice a team like Winnipeg that, again, you kind of look at if they're looking to kind of blow up this core and reset. Draft capital makes the most sense, right? And I think you look at the assets that the Bruins have, one of the most appealing is probably a goaltender. And they kind of have one right now in, you know, Hello Duck, right? So it's not like they're a team that um, you look at, Edmonton or like the Kings or someone like that that could use another goaltender to really push themselves over the top this year. Winnipeg doesn't have that same kind of uh need that would make it easy for you to facilitate a deal. So are you giving up, you know, a Lysel, a Lori with a the brusque or someone else like that? Like you probably have to give up quite a few pieces to get a guy like Dubois. And again, I think there's a little bit of concern with Dubois in terms of probably the off-ice stuff, whether it's where he kind of forced himself out in Columbus. Not a great look for a talented player, and again, he's part of that core in Winnipeg that I don't know what what goes on up there, but that whole (laughs) kind of crew uh, does not really have the best track record. Um, That being said, you know, it's the Bruins have burdened a couple of guys before that you, you know, hear stuff about how they are off ice, and they've adjusted very well. You don't hear anything in terms of how they've uh, fit in uh, in the room here in Boston, and you look at a guy like Dubois as opposed to maybe – other potential trade candidates, right? Like you're looking at like JT Miller, who's 30, um, you know, he has his own kind of, you hear about him. Um, at least a guy with Dubois is what, 24, 24, 25. He's right? 24. He's, yes, he is 24. Yeah. So, I mean, you look at a guy like Dubois, who's 24, maybe doesn't have the high end offensive ceiling as a guy that can, you know, give you 90, hundred points, what have you. But look at the way he plays. It's kind of like, the same trajectory as like a guy like Matthew Kachuk right again not gonna have, give you 100 points but you look at how much having a guy who's a pan in the ass to play against fights inside you know, bugs the bejesus out of teams in the playoffs like having a guy like that in your top six can pay dividends right like it's, would you rather have just in terms of playoff would you rather have maybe a guy that can score a little bit more points and like JT Miller or would you rather have Dubois who's going to make an impact in playoff games right so in terms of the fit and in terms of what you might need moving forward Dubois what kind of fits in with the plan of the bruins of you know improving or retooling on the fly right in terms of if you get a guy like Dubois and sign him long term with a core of Posternak and Lindholm and McAvoy and ideally Swayman after he's done with an RFA you've got a framework of a pretty good roster and that's not even kind of a guy like Zaka. You're still going to be contending for a good while. It's a good group to have out there. It's just, I think, going to come down to the price and what you have to give up to get them.
0: This is the big thing this offseason. It's not so much your needs. It's you don't have a lot to trade. And and by the way, we were all in on the Bruins going all in this year. You know, giving up first and, and draft capital and things like that. This is the fallout from it, you know, and you push ships to the table and you did the right thing. The team was the, the problem. The team didn't show up. The team didn't uh, make use of what you, the, the talent that the front office put around it. But this is the fallout. And the fallout is when you want to go for a target like Dubois or Elias Lindholm in Calgary or other pieces around the league that are popular and that other teams want in on, everyone's outbidding you unless you put up, you know, like a crazy, you know, offer like that you wouldn't do, you know, like, uh, like, you know, a top player on your team for Dubois. Like you're not doing that. Um, I don't think. And so, but if you want to like your top prospects are Lysel and Lowry, You know, I don't know how highly those are regard. They're top prospects for you. I don't know if they're super highly regarded elsewhere around the league. Then you have draft. I mean, you're, you don't have much to trade in terms of draft picks. Like you're going to start trading, you know, draft fix in like 2055. I mean, it's, you know, it, it, like, again, that's what's going to hurt you for a guy like Dubois. Because you're right. He would fit great. He probably would fit well. This, You know, again, it's not Montreal. Uh, Maybe he gets here and immediately is like, I want to go to Montreal. You're going to have to execute a Bruins-Habs trade, which would be freaking crazy. But on ice, the fit, you're right. A big guy, annoying to play against, gets to inside ice, things like that. Um, so again, a guy like him would make sense, uh, but it hits at a bigger problem that you just don't have the pieces, which is why you're going to have to do the Pavel Zaka t- type trade. You're going to have to go kind of off the off the beaten path, you know, find guys that are outside the framework, like an Austin Matthews as Petrov McGuire. Uh, I think Petrov McGuire quoted the uh, old Matthews tweet of "There's always a tweet for everything." Of Boston of with a the plane emoji, so. Uh, I, you know, every time Petrov does that, I'm always like, wait, what? And then I'm like, oh, the tweets from 2015, uh,
1: it's so going to be a long off season. It's going to be a long summer, Evan.
0: Very long summer. So Connor diving right in, uh, the LA Kings, you mentioned them a little bit earlier. The Edmonton Oilers are another one as well at Oilers are done. I know some teams were worried about them in the playoffs, uh, Their road ends in six games to Bruce Cassidy and the, and the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, But let's start with the Kings. Uh, They're going to need a goalie this off season. Uh, Jonas Corposalo could be getting high uh, attention from other teams. He's a UFA after that. They don't really have much in terms of their net and they're a good team. They're pretty young uh, in certain areas. So like they want to compete might be a good spot for a goalie might be a good spot for a goalie. Uh, And again, Hard to trade your Vesna uh, winner, but when you're up against the cap and you have Jeremy Swayman there, who is going to be getting a new contract with this RFA deal, uh, Linus Solmark makes a lot of sense out there uh with the LA Kings. And the Kings don't have their first this year, but they do have a first next year. Uh, there are some intriguing centers on that team. I don't know. I, we'd have to kind of get into the nitty gritty of details, but they do have, you know, a Quinton Byfield. Uh, they do have Philip Deneau, uh, who, you know, again... Deneau's not really that cheap, but he is a defensive center that kind of would fit, you know, a, the kind of the successor to Patrice Bergeron, if you really want to, I mean, you know, not as good, but has the potential type thing. Uh, what, what what do you think of that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it would make sense in terms of potential trading partner, right? And it's, again, I don't know if you're going to get like a a building block center back. Like, I don't think you're getting like Byfield or anything like that. Maybe like Alex Turcotte, who really hasn't. Hit his stride, even though he was a top five pick. Which again, risk award there of whether it's worth taking on a project like that when he really hasn't.
0: Another Pavelzaga, you
1: know, even <laughs> but like even at like the AHL, he's not producing, which is not great, right? Like that's that's the one kind of concern with a guy like him. But at least Vegas makes sense in terms of there's a need there, and even if it's you know you're getting a first back and a you know are you getting Matt Roy like a defenseman or, or what have you back? You, you could have a situation like that where it makes sense where you. Move a, a you know a coveted asset, get draft capital back that you can then again maybe use that if you're doing a Dubois deal and you free up some capital along the way. Um, it, it's one of those situations where I think if you do trade Olmark, uh, and again he has to waive his you know no movement clause, what have you. Um, again, it, let's say there's like a hundred different uh, trade scenario. you like Doctor Strange, hundred different trade scenarios involving Nina Allmark. I feel like. 90 of them are going to be returns and people are going to be like, okay, you know, it's kind of more about moving the cap and getting maybe a draft asset back as opposed to like, wow, like you're getting, you know, Dubois and like a, a second back for Old Mark and why <laughs> sell? Like, right, Lysel. I see the, I, you know, like I see, I see the the merit there in terms of uh, why you're moving a guy like that. And again, you're not really in this position where you have to make some tough calls and in, in terms of the cap that, um, you know kings make sense but in terms of the return it's going to be i think you know one piece of the puzzle it's almost like this entire off this past offseason season for the bruins were like we think bergeron and creature coming back but the moves you're it's tough to really decipher in the moment because you're waiting for the other signings to to happen so i think if omark does get moved this summer it's going to be one of those situations where it's ideally a part of the puzzle right that comes into you know comes into picture and becomes a little bit more clear as the summer goes on. But um yeah, I don't see it. barring a situation where a team gets really desperate for a goalie. Like I don't view it as something where it's like the Oilers are like, do you want Ryan Nugent Hopkins? Do you want like I don't see any situation? Like Conor and David? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Dry Seidel. Um so I don't see that happening. But again, that's not to say that you're gonna get fleece in the no Mark deal, but I think people will have to temper their expectations in terms of how many Hockey trades you're going to get and really win if you're moving a guy like Omar, where it might be just a building block of what you're trying to do in terms of the greater scheme of things this summer. The tough part is teams know you're up against the cap. Teams know
0: that you're right. not trading Omar because you want to shake things up. You're trading Omar because that's a luxury to have two starting goalies. uh Same with Taylor Hall, by the way. It's another one that. Again, you know, I don't. I think Omar's value is higher than Hall. I would say, just given his his contract and and what he can bring, the fact he's coming off of Vesna. Um, but as you said, worrisome that you may not get back what you want. I think what you ultimately want with a Hall trade is cap relief. But it feels like with Omar, though, I I still am holding out a little hope that they somehow get something legitimate in return, whether that's a first, whether that's a legitimate everyday NHL player who's going to contribute to this team on a regular basis in whether it be the top six or somewhere useful. Like I still am holding out a little hope that he gets you that back um, from a team that is desperate for a goalie. But as you said, like to know is probably a little bit much that's a building block for them. They went out and literally signed him for Montreal. Um, You know, Byfield's a young exciting prospect who's already kind of making contributions now to that team so again i don't know if it's that um you know it's not the joe thornton trade hopefully yes um but uh you know again edmonton now i mean edmonton's another one of those teams that was kind of failed by goaltending in the playoffs so we always wonder connor you know desperate teams do desperate things they've they're now out in the second round for like the hundredth year in a row um they have a core there with McDavid and Dreisaitl that is only going to get older. Um, in net, Jack Campbell and Stuart Skinner. Yeesh. <laughs> Yeesh. Not great. Um, you know, does a team like that do something drastic? Again, you're not trading like McDavid or Dreisaitl or any of those guys, but, you know, firsts or top prospects. Again, I don't know Edmonton's prospect pool off the top of my head. Um, but is there something there? that, you know, a team like Edmonton could kind of jump into the fray and and get a lot for a guy like Omar, because if they got Omar, that's a huge part of that team that's solidified.
1: Yeah, no, I think, those, I mean, those are the teams you have to target, right? And it just depends on what the return going to be. I, I think you kind of said it where, I think you even learn, again, different sport. You look at like the Celtics, right? Where uh, if you have a very good core in place, you don't, view that as what you have to blow up in terms of, uh, you know, keeping this contention window open. You know, you're not making a shakeup for the sake of doing it. You're truffling the supporting cast, hoping younger players contribute, what have you, or again, identify another area of need and address it. And that's kind of what you're getting from, uh, you know, if you're the the Oilers and you're acquiring a guy like goldmark just again, depends on what the return is. Like, are you, do you think you're going to get like a Nugent Hopkins who again, had like the quietest hundred point season I think I've ever seen, or are you getting like, a first and Warren Fogle, you know, like that's the thing, right? Like that, that's, <laughs> I think, Fogle. yeah, like that's like, you know, th- are you just getting another like ancillary piece there beyond just a first round pick? So team that's, you know, a team to watch again, I think they're paying Jack Campbell 5 million a year too. So like you're committing pretty much 10 million to your goalies in that situation. You kind of made your bed with him. So, but again, these are the teams that when you look at, they're on the cusp of contention, they've got one fatal flaw that's in net. That we'll see just how willing they are to kind of switch things around to facilitate something like that. Because if the Bruins are making a guy like Olmark available, then you have to imagine a lot of teams would come knocking, even though, again, we'll see where exactly that no trade uh, kickers are for the the, the Bruins and Olmark. Cause I have to imagine he's probably not, Putting places in Canada on his list. I was right? just but, about so. to
0: say, I you'd have no problem dealing him to L.A., but I think Edmonton would be a huge holdup in the ter- in the sense of, uh, you know, is he going to agree to go there? Same with, you know, we mentioned like Elias Lindholm, and I don't, again, I don't know if it's like Taylor Hall for Elias Lindholm. I don't think it's that, but um, I, you know, is Taylor Hall going to agree to Western Canada? Um, on that list, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, but who knows? Who knows? I mean, it's a you know. You're contending up in Edmonton still if you're Olmark again, like, and the other thing is like, if they weren't up against the cap, probably not advocating to trade Linus Olmark, but you are, it's, you're in a bad, they're in a bad situation with the cap and you don't have, you know, pieces to trade off that are prospects or or draft picks that have a heck of a lot of value. So you gotta start peeling off the roster, which is not uh, the most fun situation to be in, but alas, here we are. Maybe Chicago will say, you know what? We want a Vezna goalie who has a good contract and we're going to give you the number one overall pick. Here you go. Have at it. Have at it. And here's a second yep. round pick as well. Here you go. Sure. Yeah. So, sure. We'll see that. Maybe that'll be yeah. the case. Uh, okay. Anyways, anyways, <laughs> no Connor, but we're not going to do the, uh, the Connor, but what's it going to take to get Connor Bedard? Uh, I don't think we're going to ever do that this off season, unless it gets real. Then that's crazy. If that actually got like that happened, but I don't think there's any way Chicago trades that pick to anybody. Because they're not, no. it's not like, it's not like they were the, you know, and the Burns didn't do this in 2011 They or 2010, they took Sagan. But it's not like they're a, a team that's contending. That's like, hey, let's deal this number one pick for a ton of franchise pieces. They suck. They're garbage. Like they, they are at level one. So there, there is no way they trade that pick. Um, I don't think. No. But
1: no, no, they will not.
0: No, there's no way that pick gets traded ever. But uh, anyways, Connor, what can people look forward to you from you over at Boston.com and Boston Globe?
1: Yeah, we're going to have you covered uh, every step of the way this offseason. Uh, we already got our critical dates for the the, the summer, so we know when Def Camp's going to be, training camp, all that stuff, the draft, for agency. So we'll have you covered with everything that happens over what should be a very eventful offseason for the Bruins over at Boston.com. So please read us over there. If you're going to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93.
0: Go do all that, and remember to subscribe to New England Hockey Journal. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins Beat listeners have a great rest of your week.